Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza. Anne-Marie Zanzel here. So excited to have another episode of Queer Business Success. Very happy to welcome to the show today, Christine Clifton. Christine Clifton teaches mindful business people to say what they need to say, get where they want to go and earn what they're worth. The world is cheated without your voice in it. Christine, I love that bio. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks for having me. So um, one of the first questions I ask people, because we are named Queer Business Success and you identify as an ally, tell us what brought you to the allyship. Sure. It's, it's interesting. I, when I was raised, I, for whatever reason, never saw differences in people. Like I went to a high school with white and black and everyone was my friend. You know, I was a little naive, I would say, in terms of how I I was raised. And I really wasn't aware of LGBTQ, you know, in my younger years. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that that's unusual. But as I moved into professional world, I met my first, at least my awareness of my first LGBTQ person was when in my first job and the bartender was gay. And I remember thinking it it never, I never went, oh, you know, you know, I was raised Catholic, you know, all this stuff. And and I was just curious. I was like, well, tell me about you. Like how, you know, and I was just interested. And there was a big chunk of time in my professional world that I didn't have other LGBTQ people in my life. But as I moved into my coaching and consulting practice, when I left corporate, I think what that did was open the world up even more to me outside of a corporate realm. And I just started meeting people that were like-minded, open-minded, um, accepting. Um, I mean, it was just this a beautiful mix of people that I really wasn't rubbing elbows with in corporate. Mm -hmm. at least my company. And that's when I started realizing more about the LGBTQ community, what they face on a regular basis, and started forging friendships with people and learning more about what they face every day. I remember in my early, you know, naivete, I said to one of my friends, um, you know, it's something like, um, I I was a little flippant. I was like, you know, I don't care what, you know, people do in the bedroom, Mm -hmm. like it's whatever. And he's like, Christine, it's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, I said, tell me. Like, I I wanted to know, you know, the last thing I want to do is like offend a friend of mine. And so I think along the way, I've been blessed that I've had these friends that are Mm -hmm. willing to educate me. Mm -hmm. And 
I have a core belief. My my calling, um, some people call it a purpose or a why. I like to call it a calling. My calling starts with a, a statement of everybody matters and deserves to be heard. And so that informs my life. I see I've seen that in all areas of my life. Even the bio that you read, you know, talks about, you know, how do you get heard? Say what you need to say. And and so for people to be able to be themselves, be their authentic selves and bring it out is a, is about what I'm all about. And some of the clients I've had who have LGBTQ, and understandably so, they some of them aren't as comfortable being more open at work or in different areas of their life. And, and so it, it becomes a manner, matter of how can I support this person in where they are today? There's multiple right answers about how they want to come out or not and help them realize that it's okay. Whatever they choose at any moment is perfect. And, and it kind of takes the pressure off of them around like having to conform to, you know, marching in the pride parade or something, you know, feeling pressure <laughs> from that. And so over the years, that's how I've developed allyship. This month, I, I did some reflection because it's Pride Month for recording. Right. This yeah. Yeah. And I texted some of my LGBTQ friends and I said, I said, I have two questions for you. How can I be a better ally to you personally? Mm -hmm. And based on your community and what you're facing in the world today, how can I better support the LGBTQIA plus community as a whole? And all of them responded like within five minutes and they're like, oh my God, Christine, that's a great question. I need to think about it and I'll get back to you. So I, this is the type of relationship that i I want to have so that I can be a better ally because in some areas I am a bit naive uh, about, you know, about the world. But also too, just because someone is queer doesn't mean they know every aspect of the LGBTQ community. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to tell you, Christine, that's one of the best answers I've ever heard. So thank you for doing the work. It is work to try to understand something that may not be, that may be foreign to you. And I really appreciate when people show up and do the work. So thank you. It was a great answer. I want to like, I'm like, this is the cut for the show. (laughs) (laughs) Take it and run with it. Well, what I'm going to say, what you need to be a good ally, and I'm going to tag you all over the place. (laughs) Oh, excellent. Excellent. So tell me about your company and what you do. Sure. Well, if people show up in front of me feeling lost, mm-hmm. they're standing at a crossroad in their work or their life, and they're looking at the paths, you know, being shown to them, and they just have no idea. And they're confused because they mm-hmm. are smart, savvy, they've been successful in the past, but something feels a little bit different. And when I start digging into things with them, I'm realizing that they're hearing this call for usually it's greater fulfillment. And they haven't even necessarily recognized that consciously themselves. And so the the answer is that the reason you don't feel like you can go any of those choices of those paths at the crossroad is because it's time to pick up a big old machete and start hacking your own trail, you know, mm-hmm. through through the through the brush. And so I, I call myself a work life trailblazer for that reason because we are often limited by what we see around us. And if you aren't surrounded by other possibility thinking people, you don't always have a 
a natural tendency for your brain to go, but what else is possible beyond what I'm able to see with my eyes? And Mm -hmm. so I first take them on an inner journey to, to say, who am I today? And what part of my essence, my being is asking to be seen, is asking to be expressed. And then we look at the work world, whether you're a career uh, professional and corporate, or whether you're a service entrepreneur, and say, how do we want to tweak this next step so that it fits you better instead of the other way around? And I'm sure you're no stranger to like feeling the need to fit in, you know, somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, yeah, yeah, I come out later in life, so I get it completely. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so I have this this neat mix that I, I talk about that I have both the woo woo and the how to because I do bring in people's spirituality, what their belief systems systems are. And, you know, to, for the listeners, I bring in their spirituality, not mine, really? yep. you know, who yep. are they that. so that mm-hmm. I can meet them where they are. And also uh, metaphysical principles. Most people have heard of the law of attraction. So everything I do has those principles kind of woven in as well, so that any effort they make is going to return you know, the like attracts like type principle mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. And so I do the how to. So career seekers, I'll do, you know, uh, help them with interviewing and deciding on which job is the right one and showing them how to network and teaching them how to negotiate. So, you know, again, say what you need to say. How are you using your voice to self-advocate and express your value? Uh, mm-hmm. And then same thing for service entrepreneurs. I typically start with solo service entrepreneurs and their business is going pretty well, but not awesome. And usually it is because they're just a little misaligned somewhere. So we find that misalignment, we start retweaking their business model so it fits them better. And it might just be where they're showing up. It might be their pricing, packaging, and programs. It might be their messaging. So I kind of look, I'm a root cause gal. I have a chronic illness. So I'm all about like, what's the root cause, you know, of, of of the rub. So we find that root cause and we make some tweaks so that things can uh, grow naturally. Yeah, that's what I do. So how did you get into all of that? Like, what is your background? Sure. It's it's a long story. I'm going to try to give you like the dollar version okay, instead yeah, of the $10 version. The, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, when you get to a lot of times, people have a lot of the life experiences. I have done, you know how many different careers I've had in my life? Right. I mean, so I get it. So yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And my corporate, you know, I was a good doobie. I was raised in a military family and I was full of duty, responsibility and obligation. And, you know, I got my college degree because I was told I needed to do that. And I got a good job because I was told I needed to do that. And I started growing in my career. I went from restaurants, managing restaurants to managing retail department stores. And then I moved over to human resources and uh, I cha- moved out of retail and into insurance and then out of insurance and into chemicals. And then I left HR and chemicals with the same company to go into sales in that company and uh, sales coach specifically. And that's kind of my 20-year span of corporate. And each of those changes were just organic for me. I can look back now. I didn't know that's what was happening at the time, but I just was feeling like, okay, I've gotten to this growth point where I'm not growing anymore. What can I move out of the way that it doesn't align at this stage? And what do I want more of? So it was just a natural process that Mm -hmm. I 
I did without prompting or learning or anything like that. And so I left corporate to start my first coaching practice, which was a coaching practice for people with chronic illness. And because I was being exposed to a lot of natural modalities, I opened a wellness studio. I was already teaching swing dancing. I was already teaching a fitness called Nia. And so I brought other practitioners into the studio and also started doing my life and business coaching in from the studio as well. I turned the, the lock on that after just about a year and moved on to a sabbatical, believe it or not. I didn't know I was going to be taking a, a sabbatical, but I did. And when I came back, I was asking my colleagues in my small business community, like, what's your biggest pain right now? And most of them said, you know, I just can't keep up with the networking follow-up. Like I have a stack of business cards on the side of my desk gathering dust and I have no idea what to say or what to do. And I'm like, dang, like that's easy, you know, for me. So I kind of started a little bit of like a mini telemarketing company, but it was only for warm touches because they already had the business card. And I was the person who would call the person to set up a meeting with my clients. And as I was teeing up all this business for them and I would follow up with how they did, few of them were landing business. And I'm like, and so I start asking like, what happened in that sales conversation? And, and then I realized that they couldn't they couldn't sell their way out of a paper bag. God bless them. You know, mm -hmm. they're good at their thing, but not at selling. And so I had an assistant at that time and I shifted all that marketing work, that telemarketing work to her. That actually became her business. I just gave it to her so I could start sales coaching with, with entrepreneurs. And that's where uh, I started more into this kind of looking at the business. And what I started seeing was that I was also attracting career seekers who were like with an oppressive boss or wanted to leave their, you know, their their position and didn't know how, or their, you know, their boss was blocking their, their promotional, um, their promotional opportunities and the skills behind both of those business development, as well as, you know, self-promotion and corporate are essentially the same. It's about self-advocacy, self-promotion, but the people that are like me, highly relational are kind of like, you know, sheepish. I don't want to beat my chest or brag or be icky or salesy. And so my highly relational methodology for business development really resonated with them. And so I started growing that part of the business development that I was teaching entrepreneurs and working with career seekers just a little bit, not very much. But then people weren't doing the sales piece that they said they were, you know, they said they would do. And so I dug a little deeper and started seeing mindset and belief systems that were actually getting in the way of them doing what they needed to do. And I had been developing my spirituality and my understanding about metaphysics as well. And I, you know, talk about coming out, so to speak. I know it certainly doesn't compare to LGBTQ, but my coming out to my clients was, you know, I have this spiritual practice. Are you open to hearing about it? You know, there, I have this metaphysical belief. Do you want you know, you don't want to see if this could work for you. And so my two long-term clients were kind of my Petri dish where I was able to more fully bring out myself, my metaphysical kind of spiritual approach so that we could start addressing this, what I call BS or belief systems that was getting in their way. And I changed my business name to Mindful Business Matters at that time because I felt like mindful was a approachable name and 
you know, a little more mainstream, at least at the time. And that's what I started to do. And their their results were exponential when they started incorporating this. And both of them were with me about six or seven years in total because we, they just kept growing and growing and growing. And it was beautiful to see. So mm-hmm. that's how now I've come to to what I do today is I, I interweave, you know, the say, you know, what you say, what you do along with this inner work so that you're more an integrated being and are showing up at whole, you know, I I call it divided no more, you know? Yeah. It sounds like you embrace your authenticity, who you were authentically were, and you showed up to your clients exactly how you were. Like I, I call it embracing the woo because like I, For a long time, I was, I struggled with showing my like uh, woo side. And now in my Lotus, in my Lotus group coaching program for the later in life community, I have a Reiki practitioner that's a coach with me because it's really important for the energy work. And also in my new business, Purposeful um, Empowerment, I'm doing the same thing. That same Reiki coach is working with me there. And it's, it's really important because learning about like the chakras and also about how energy can get stuck. And if the energy gets stuck, it can lead to a lot of things. And so learning like different modalities, you can, you know, I find it's like, you can be very playful and explore them. Some of them may not work for you. You know, some of them may not. Like my, I was at the chiropractor this morning. And he was telling me he had been in a float tank. He hated it. You know, him and his wife try all kinds of different mm-hmm. modalities because I hated it. This is that was not my for me. So I always say, like, be playful with spirituality. Try sure. things. Yeah, they, curious. Go to a gong class. Go to go. You know, <laughs> go to a cleansing class. You know, try something like that because being playful with spirituality, you never know what you're going to find. And it's been really wonderful to. For me to like, I've always been, I've been religious, but I was always a very spiritual religious person, if you want to, if you can understand that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so like, I wasn't bound by my religion. I didn't like, I don't believe all the things that it taught and I'm not really practicing that anymore, but it's been such a journey of like learning to embrace Exactly. I'm a Reiki master as well. And my gift is navigating voice. That, that for some reason, voice is a big part of what I call my spiritual, in my spiritual DNA. And so when I work with clients and I get them talking, I can navigate their energy ups and drops and they don't even know what's happening. And so when we get to that stuck point where their energy drops, I'm like, pause, time out. We, there's something in what you just said that we need to explore. So energy, I agree. It's so important. And yeah, I agree. Curiosity, being like childlike and like discovering something new. I always tell people, bring a wingman. You know, if you're hesitant to go into something, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, just bring say, some- hey, will you try this with me? And we can, yeah, we could leave early if it's too weird. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, try it. <laughs> so what is the biggest challenges in your business, Christine? For me right now, it is meeting new potential clients. Mm -hmm. Having a chronic illness, I've been chronically ill for 20 plus years and I'm 56 and a half right now. And at the age of 53, I finally got a diagnosis as to why I've been having chronic illness. And I have something called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder that. that 
impacts every cell in my body, my gut, my, it gives me allergies, it gives me leaky gut, it makes my joints stretch, it, I have migraines, my head's too wobbly, so I have neck pain. It's just like this, I call it a game of whack-a-mole. And so for me with my business, I have to be very aware of my stamina, my capability, what I can take on. And prior to moving to North Carolina, where I am now, I was really big on the speaker circuit. But once I entered menopause, that's what triggered this genetic expression even more than it had been expressing before. So I could not, you know, I couldn't stand for an hour and give a talk. So, um, so I'm just getting back to, you know, looking for ways to meet new potential clients. And guess what? Podcast guesting is one of the things I've chosen. Absolutely. And I am uh, creating a summer school for one track for entrepreneurs, the other track for career changers, so that I can give back, you know, to the community because I I love making my information accessible, but also to get me out in front of people again as well. So that's my biggest challenge is, is meeting the potential new clients. Now, I'm really blessed. On LinkedIn, there is a function called ProFinder and I'm listed there uh, for business coaching and career coaching. So I get all of my career changer leads from LinkedIn. And it's been very fruitful for me. So I don't have to do anything. Just, you know, people submit like, I need help. And I look at them and read them and I don't respond to all of them, but the ones that I think could be a fit. And uh, so that's my lead generation for that part of my business. But yeah, the the initial meeting is my biggest, biggest challenge right now. Well, and that typically is the challenge for this, this industry, like getting, getting the, getting leads that, that is one of the biggest challenges for it. And I think a lot of people really struggle, you know, struggle with that. And because I meet so many amazing people, amazing. And it's like, we need to have people find you. I mean, this is, we've got, I I think the, the thing is, is if we could figure out how to crack the code so people could find people. I think that would be amazing. You know, it's funny you and, say that. I one of my past clients, I just had a, a catch up chat with him yesterday, and uh, he said the same thing. He's like, you know, Christine, I just, I just have always wondered, like, why aren't, why isn't what you do just so much bigger and well known? And and I said, you know, I, in my circles it doesn't seem that much different than anybody else because I float in the spiritual growth community. I float mm-hmm. in the personal growth community. So, so, and I know that people resonate to different people differently. And that's kind of, to me, has been my secret sauce. Like I'm different. I'm the woo-woo and I'm the how-to. And that's kind of my uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, oh, Christine, it is so much more than that. And so, so it's, it's interesting hearing that perspective and then kind of saying, all right, how do that, how do I get this more out into the world? I've written books, you know, I have some books yeah. About my philosophies as well. And again, I'm just gaining my footing again after kind of coming. I, I crashed, unfortunately, after menopause, and it's taken me about three or four years to kind of get my footing again and stamina again. And I've just come up for air at the beginning of this year to say, all right, how do I get to recalibrate? You know, I've gone through this experience. It's informed me, my life, my perspective, my belief systems. So how do, you know, I have to walk my talk, right? So how do, can I weave that into what I do? And a lot of the podcasts I'm being in invited on is to talk about my chronic illness, which mm-hmm. I, is actually wonderful to me. I want everyone to know, you know, how they can help their bodies. And just because I have a genetic chronic illness doesn't mean that other people can't benefit from what I've learned. So, well, and also too, people, there are people with chronic illness benefit what you offer too. Yeah. you know, it, it, not in the sense 
sense because they have careers, they have things they have to deal with. They have, you know, they have their three year limit and what they do. And so, you know, it, there's this miss, uh, you know, people with chronic illness, there's like this, I think, misunderstanding that everybody's all invalids and can't do anything, but that's not true. A it's lot of people- so not true. And a lot after of people- the- after the pandemic, I call it a mass disabling event. You know, we, our country it has dramatically underestimated the long-term impact of COVID. And it isn't just long COVID or, pe- you know, people who kind of put themselves in that category. People are being impacted, even unknown to them that it was because of COVID. And chronic illness is rising and doctors aren't trained to manage through. They want to acute you know, something, fix the bone, give you a pill or whatever. And they just aren't trained most of them to manage through that. So it's going to, in the next few years, there's going to need to be a dramatic change to support people who are working with chronic illness. Yes. And also too, I I have, you, you and I are uh, preaching the same thing. (laughs) I feel that COVID has had a tremendous impact on the mental health of this country. Yes, And even myself, I like sometimes like, I literally go like stop and go, my God, what did I just go live through? Like what, what did I just live through? And how has that impacted me and impacted my view of the world, impacted my life? And, you know, I'm a pretty self-reflective person, but I know a lot of people aren't. And so they basically, we've survived COVID, everything went back to normal, but actually we're in a new normal now of having lived through a pandemic. And sometimes people don't see the connection and don't see the connection, how it has affected them emotionally, spiritually, physically, and mentally. So I'm, you, you know, speaking my mind, I, know. <laughs> I am in such agreement. I mean, there are days when I blink and I'm like, has it been this long, you know, since 2020 Mm -hmm. and all this started? Like some of it's like, how in the world did I even manage through it myself? And people, I think in our country, especially our culture is go, go, go. It's like, you know, pick up your bootstraps, dust off and just keep going, doing, doing, doing. But I also believe that action for action's sake is is distraction and it's a trauma response. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing we can control is what we do. So I'm in agreement. There's a lot of suppressed emotion and impact that people don't even necessarily know is there. Um, And guess what? It's going to tap them on the shoulder at some point in their lives in the future. I'm going to share this just because I want to get this out there to people who are listening. So my trauma response, exactly what you said. Um, my trauma response is when I'm, when I have difficulty feeling my emotions or I'm going through a really difficult experience, I start working harder and harder and harder because I am trying to avoid the very difficult feelings I don't want to feel. And so I had an aha moment like about five years ago where I realized I was doing that. And I was like, what ends up happening? Yeah, you avoid your feelings, but you also miss your life. And it was at a bas- my son's basketball game where I was trying to connect. Like I was at a basketball game and I like two people wanted to be connected, you know, and I was connecting them in the middle of the basketball game. Mm-hmm. I missed yeah. my son's basketball shot and he had made a shot. I mean, he's a good basketball player. He has plenty of them, but... I realized, oh my God, I'm missing my life because I didn't have to do that. I was having some difficult feelings. I had, you know, and it was like such an aha moment. And it was like one of those ones that really changed the trajectory of my life and my own self-care, you know, get that. So what is your biggest successes, Christine? Oh my gosh. Biggest successes. Holy cow. Um, 
you know, our achievements, we can use that too. Yeah. You know what? I think for me, it it is being an entrepreneur for the past 15 years and still live to tell about it. You know, you know, I've been, I've been almost bankrupt three times in the past 15 years as I've muddled through how to do this thing. And I, I also say, um, you know, if you want the best personal growth course on the planet, start a business. Because, you know, and so, Amen. Amen. <laughs> so I have grown you know, internally as well, just exponentially in the past 15 years. So I think both from an out picturing and as well as an in picturing, if that's such a word, that that feels like the greatest achievement for me is that I'm living a life I want in a place that I want to live. I'm doing the work that I love. I can make the schedule I want to make. And I'm like, gosh, how does it get any better than this? I wonder, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's, that's my accomplishments. If somebody wants to go into the coaching business, what is your one piece of advice? I just spoke with someone the other day who was considering it. And my first piece of advice was go to coaching school. Mm -hmm. And I say that because it is it in the past it's not it's not a regulated industry outside of the international coach federation and icf was born because we didn't want our governments overseeing licensure of coaching like they do for therapy. And I love that, that they did that as an entity, but there's also people have a, coaching is misunderstood. And I believe in our, in our country and people specialize in niches with coaching and it becomes consulting. And then we, we choose a coach uh, role in our businesses because we've experienced. So we also have mentoring, right? So if you look at pure coaching, that's a unique skill that, I've never met anyone who's had that intuitively. It was a big eye-opener for me when I went to coach you and learned coaching. And I said, go find a course. It doesn't have to be an ICF accredited course, but go to some coaching course that's going to teach you the the arc of a coaching conversation because Mm -hmm. it's not what you think it is. It's not telling people what to do or, you know, whatever. It's, It's evoking from the person. And we tend as experts, as consultants, you know, we're really good at telling, you know, answering the question, but we're not always good at asking the question. And mm-hmm. so coaching is that unique thing. So that's the first. And, and I would have to put an asterisk, like I couldn't just give one. The second one is learn how to create a business from it, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. might be good at the thing, but business development is harder than my coaching school made it seem to me. And um, so so go in with your eyes wide open, interview coaches on how they started their business and what worked and what didn't, and really make sure that you step into it with your eyes fully open about what it's going to take. I really agree with that. I also, you see this on the internet all the time, especially if you're on Facebook, sell your coach, you know, convert your coaching group and convert your Facebook group in five days and make a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> stuff like that. And I want to say that being a coach is like, it is a business and the shiny object doesn't work. It is putting, I find for myself is putting in consistent practice towards it to grow the business. And also uh, my, you know, my piece of advice, Peggy, picking back on yours, when you start your business, and you're running it for a while and you're like, ooh, I may need help with this. 
you know, for me, it was sales. Ooh, I may need help for, with this. And I found somebody who does that with me. And it's been an incredible learning curve because there has been like, I have learned so much about sales and the art of sales selling. And also like, and I was like, there's a whole genre of stuff. Out here. <laughs> no idea. And um, so it's been, and I'm actually a natural salesperson. Some people just have that gift and I do. And, but the funny thing is, it's like, now I'm like, I'm getting better at it because there is other things out the other things that I just didn't, I had no idea, Christine. Literally, sure. I was always just like the social sciences. So I was like, I didn't yeah. know about this. It's been actually, I love it because it's expanded my brain cells and made me learn things. And it's made me, I feel like smarter about my business. That's great. I, you know, yeah. when I was a sales coach in corporate, it was a chemicals company and we sold acrylic plastic. Okay. Nothing sexy. Nothing and sexy. I wasn't a direct salesperson. I was a sales coach kind of overseeing this new initiative that we were bringing in in terms of our sales methodology. And so that's very different than selling yourself. Right. Right. And, and so, you know, that's why it's a personal growth course, because how do I sell myself and feel confident about it, claim my value for it? And what I find, like what you mentioned about yourself is you're probably doing a lot of the components, but learning the methodology, you can now like link them in a way that draws people through the process of understanding, you know, what you offer, what's possible, what they're willing to invest. And it's just a much clearer path for them. I find that when people step in confused and don't know where to start, that it's our responsibility in a sales conversation to set that infrastructure for them because that's going to let them breathe easy and we're going to walk with them arm in arm through the conversation. And that's how I see sales. So um, so I have no doubt with all your ground that you had all those pieces. That's how I felt when I went to coaching school. When yeah. I went to coaching, school, I'm, like, I'm already doing that. I'm already doing that. I'm, but I didn't link them together in, in a particular way. And I wasn't bringing conversations in for a landing, as I like to say, like I learned in coaching school. So yeah, sales is a big one. That's great yeah. that you got that help. For well, sure. yeah. And it is an art. And I love what you do about relationship, relational sales, because Typically, people who go into the helping professions often really, really struggle with sales that like because they're not that, like when I first started this, Christine, oh, my God, it was really horrible. I've gotten so much better at it over the years. But in the beginning, I was I felt so awful every time I did it. And I had to explore all that. I had to explore like my relationship with money, like, you know, like oh, when I did yeah, that's a big money, one. When I did my first money worksheet, you know, the first thing I wrote down is the money is the root of all evil. And I'm like, (laughs) how about that for BS, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, Christine, how can people find you? The best way is just to go to my website. It's kind of the portal for everything that I do. It's christineclifton.com. And that's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-C-L-I-F-T-O-N.com. And I have a free page, which I love. I believe in making things accessible. So there's some goodies there. But there's also links through all my social where I'm available also. Thank you so much, Christine. It was great to have you on this show today. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, 
take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? Want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies, keep taking care of business. <laughs>